Hello, 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 and welcome to episode 193 of the Mo Money Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Morehouse. Thanks so much for joining me for another episode. And for this episode, I am interviewing Maria Aspen. She is an award-winning business journalist and editor-at-large of Inc. Magazine, where she oversees money coverage and writes about startups and technology, finance, and gender. And she's also covered business and finance for the New York Times, Thomson Reuters, or Reuters, Thomson Reuters, and American Banker. Um, And at the latter, she also served as the national editor and covered the 2008 financial crisis and its aftermath. And she's on the show because she has a new book out called Startup Money Made Easy, the Inc. Guide to Every Financial Question About Starting, Running, and Growing Your Business, which is out now. And I will be sharing details about how you can win a free copy at the end of this episode. Um, So I'm so excited to chat with her for this episode to talk all things earning money, startups, entrepreneurship, uh, because she has talked to some like just all the major, major, you know, successful people that you can think of when you think of like, who's a successful entrepreneur or business owner. She's talked to them and she's so many great, um, tips and just like pieces of advice in her book. So I love this episode. You're going to love it too. But before I get to that episode with Maria, here's just a few words about this episode's sponsor. This episode of the Momony Podcast is sponsored by the Scotia Momentum Visa Infinite Card. What kind of cashback are you getting with your credit cards? Not sure? Let's review and see if you could be earning more. The Scotia Momentum Visa Infinite Card is offering new cardholders 10% cashback on everyday purchases for the first three months, up to $2,000 in total purchases, plus the annual fee waived for the first year. That's a value of up to $299 in your first year. After the first three months, you'll earn 4% cash back on gas and groceries, 2% cash back on drugstore purchases and recurring bill payments, and 1% cash back on everything else you spend on your card. This is why this card received MoneySense's Best Cashback Card with Fees Award for two years in a row. Want to learn more about the Scotia Momentum Visa Infinite Card and this limited-time offer? This offer expires April 30th, 2019. Just visit jessicamorehouse.com slash scotia or visit the show notes for this episode. Once again, that's jessicamorehouse.com slash scotia or check out the show notes for this episode. Thanks, Maria, for joining me on the Mo Money Podcast. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Jessica, thanks so much. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah. So you are the um, editor at large at Inc. Magazine. That's a pretty prestigious title. That's pretty <laughs> it sounds exciting. so fancy. It does sound fancy. <laughs> <laughs> and we have a very um, uh, interesting bio. You, you know, basically write or have been involved with like creation of content in terms of, you know, business and finance. Um, and which is my, I I love it. Besides personal finance, I love learning about kind of business and finance and stuff. And now you've come out with the book, Startup Money Made Easy, the ink guide to every financial question about starting, running and growing your business. Uh, Before we kind of get more into the book, we'd love to learn a little bit more about you and, and kind of what's your kind of background? How did you kind of come to this place now where you know, you can be this um, authority, this voice on the subject matter. 
Um, well, more than a little bit of luck and timing, um, I, I started off as a journalist, um, you know, 15 years ago, and I was writing, I, I was writing about business and what I you know, some of the softer business topics like advertising and media and things that I found super interesting, but wasn't, um, you know, hadn't studied necessarily. Mm-hmm. And I wound up taking a full-time reporter's job at a newspaper called American Banker, which is a, a, a pretty great trade newspaper that covers mm-hmm. the financial services industry. In March 2008, I started like a couple of days before Bear Stearns went down. I knew absolutely nothing about banking or finance. And my first year of covering banking was covering the financial crisis and mm, watching oh <laughs> the world implode yeah. <laughs> and, and without really knowing what the world was. So um, trying to get my bearings as a reporter on a new beat while, while the beat was changing, while things were blowing up. Uh, and... I would. I wound up focusing on consumer finance, um, the business side of credit cards and consumer loans, and seeing all of the all of the things that went wrong, all of the mm-hmm. all of the bad products that were out there, all of the things that happened when people lost their jobs and stopped being able to pay, and. Um, that really launched me on a career of writing about business and finance from from maybe covering the financial side or the the company side, but with an awareness of how of how company decisions affected real people and consumers. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of been a been a through line of what I've tried to do as a journalist ever since. Um, five years ago, I joined Inc. to run our money section, which mm-hmm. um, is basically financial coverage for and about entrepreneurs and people who start private companies. So this book is a bit of a culmination of a lot of the articles I've written and a lot of the articles that I've read it, uh, that I've edited. And it's, it came directly out of a story that I assigned a couple of years ago, a big package that we did for um, a 2017 issue called the smartest money advice I ever got. And mm. my reporter and several of my colleagues and I, we all reached out to a lot of a lot of successful entrepreneurs, people, people like Sally Krawcheck and Bobby Brown and Damon John and Mark Cuban mm-hmm. and Ben Chestnut of Mailchimp, and we asked them, you know, what what was the smartest piece of money advice you ever received? Who gave it to you? Or what was the biggest financial mistake you ever made? And how did you recover mm-hmm. from it? Um, so we put that together and we we heard all sorts of things from Mark Cuban saying just what he, what he usually gives mm-hmm. as advice in the situation, just don't use credit cards to... Oh, that's um, a good piece of advice for anyone in life. <laughs> is it though? I, yeah, (laughs) I feel like there uh, are way fewer people that know how to use them responsibly than people that, you know, are using them responsibly. So that's, that's my kind of point of view. I feel like they can do a lot of damage. I completely agree. Um, I, but I would add that a lot of the entrepreneurs we talk to do use them, Mm. whether or not it's always responsibly is, is a question, but it's, they're one of the only pieces of uh, one of the only ways to get easy money to start a business. And and we can talk about whether or not that's a good idea, (laughs) but, um, but they're less paperwork than, than getting Mm -hmm. a bank loan and they're, uh, 
in some cases, they have lower interest rates than a lot of the online loans that you can get now. Mm. So they, they fill this interesting niche in the, in the startup world yeah. of not necessarily always a good idea, but a practical one. Yeah, well, you hear a lot, too, of these um, successful business people that have done some kind of extreme things in order to kind of make their project work. And now it's like, well, you know, that paid off. But I'm sure, you know, in your line of work, you've also come across a lot of people that they tried that it didn't work and they kind of had these consequences to kind of deal with. How do you kind of balance, I guess, both sides of that story of like, you know, you can take a big risk using credit cards and then, you know, you fund the next, you know, super successful startup, or you do the exact same thing, and it just does not pan out. Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, you know, you hear about the successes, you don't necessarily yeah. hear about the the people who who fall flat on their faces yeah, and wreck really. their credit. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, there's, uh, it, you raise a really good point. And one of the first things I say in the book is, your business will likely fail, please don't spend any money on it that you can't afford to lose. Because yeah. half of all businesses fail within the first five years, and mm -hmm. nearly 70% in the first 10. So, um so we very much at Inc. don't don't want to encourage people to start a business at any cost. Mm -hmm. And there, um, you know, there are a couple of stories in the book. There's one woman who had started, I think it was an events, an online events business that um, she she was reading the stories about, you know, the the Silicon Valley tech founders mm -hmm. who sleep in their, you know, sleep in their cars and start their businesses in the garage, and she wrecked the credits she wrecked her credit score and her husband's mm -hmm. credit score and her marriage fell apart and the business Yikes. failed um so yeah. they're definitely <laughs> they're definitely so that is, yeah yeah it's like that could happen i think i mean obviously it makes sense why i think a lot of these media outlets focus on the positive and the successes that's more interesting to read as a reader obviously and more you know positive something to look forward to but I feel like, yeah, the, I, I have a lot of, you know, entrepreneurs on the show and obviously they're, they're on the show because it worked out, but we, you know, as, as you know, podcast listeners are like, we need to know that this isn't always the case. And we rarely, like you said, we rarely find out about the failures because these people aren't broadcasting it. They're, they're just like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm pivoting. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's such a great euphemism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> another, okay. another story that's in the book and, and that we, um, that we profiled in the magazine a couple of years ago is the founders of Halo Top, that mm -hmm. low calorie, high tech oh, yeah, ice cream. Think, yeah. yeah. Um, one of the founders, he had racked up. He racked up so much credit uh, card debt while trying to get the business off the ground that at a certain point he couldn't. His credit score was so bad he could not. Um, he could not get the the bank loan that he and his partner were applying for. So his partner had to had to apply for it. And we we profiled the company. You know, I think it was last year. It was at a time when. The ice creams in all stores, it's selling out of Whole Foods faster they, than they can stock mm -hmm. it. The business seems like it's a success, mm -hmm. but this guy's credit score is still like 600 um, <laughs> if he wants to buy a house. I mean, he yes. has to do it all in cash pretty much. Yeah. Well, I'm sure he can afford that now. <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> that's the, that's that the answer. Answer. Yeah. So uh, you've mentioned a lot of uh, successful entrepreneurs that you were able to um, talk with an interview and, you know, Mark Cuban being one of them. Um, 
do you find that overall kind of their financial advice for starting a business is, is relatively similar or, or do you find sometimes they, they have very different point of views? I think it's very different point of views. Um, you know, be, which is, I think a good thing because it shows that there's no one right way to start a business. Um, there are the people who who failed several times and who made who made a lot of mistakes. Well, pretty much everybody makes mistakes, and that's mm-hmm. a that's another um, thing that's a through line in the book is that mm-hmm. um, you know even Venus Williams, who in addition to her superstar career as a tennis star, um, has her own clothing company. She mm-hmm. she says, and she said during a cover story that we uh, that we did on her a couple of years ago. You know, you know, you're going to make mistakes. Ultimately, the what, what's important is that is how you learn from them and move on. Mm-hmm. So, um, so this book really is saying, you know, you could, you could take out the wrong loan. You could, um, there's a Sarah Carson, the dressmaker behind Leota. Um, she was a wall mm-hmm. street investment banker who decided to start her own dressmaking business. And, she, you know, you would think someone like that with that background would, would have money, her business's finances mm-hmm. down, no problem. But she misjudged her inventory and ordered more dresses than she could sell and ran into a $300,000 cash crunch and couldn't oh, wow. pay her bills. Um, so if there's, if there's a cold comfort in the book, it's mm-hmm. just that everybody makes these mistakes and they're not mm-hmm. always going to be the same mistakes. And we can't, we can't warn you against all of them, but we can, we can tell you, you know, what, what people, what successful entrepreneurs have run into, whether it's wrecking family relationships by taking money or going into business with a family mm-hmm. member and not communicating well enough or mm-hmm. taking VC too early or from the wrong people. On the other yeah. hand, there are a lot of people who, who did take outside investor money and it works, it, it works out grand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question, actually, that just popped into my head. I think a lot of people... Um, I'm not sure if this is true, actually, but I, I feel like when I talk to people, they're like, I'm thinking of starting a business and they either think they should self-fund it or, um, yeah, just get money from friends and family because they trust those people and they'll definitely pay them back. That sounds like a really bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Are, or are there successful businesses that did start with family kind of funds? And I'm not talking about like super rich people that just like, they have millions of dollars to spare, just like regular folks borrowing from friends and family. Is that in your point of view, good idea, not good idea? <laughs> you know, honestly, it's kind of like my answer about credit cards. It's, mm-hmm. um, it's not always a good idea. And it's definitely not a good idea if you don't do your research and put your work in, but it's what happens. Yeah. Um, and there are, there are several businesses that have started um, with family money that have worked out really well. One, I don't. I don't know if it. Um, I don't know what its footprint is outside mm-hmm. the New York area where I'm based. But a a coffee shop chain called Orin's um, mm-hmm. Orin's Coffee Roasters. It, it started. Uh, the founder started it with a lot of loans from his parents. Mm-hmm. Um, but he goes through in the book and, and in our coverage of him, he kind of goes through the the process he and his parents set up to make sure that he wasn't taking advantage of them, that um, that the addition of money to their relationship wasn't going to ruin their personal relationship. Um, you know, they set up monthly or quarterly check-ins. They, mm-hmm. they wrote down um, the 
the terms of the deal and clarified that even if, and, and this is, I think, in general, good advice, even if you're asking your friends or family for money, you're not necessarily giving them the same control over the business that you might Mm -hmm. um, give to professional equity investors. You know, if you're, Mm -hmm. if you're asking your friends and family for, for loans or just investments, you should all be clear up front what you are and are not giving away um, in exchange Mm -hmm. for their support. Absolutely. And I guess beyond finding, um, you know, where's that source of, you know, initial funding coming from, I guess uh, another important aspect is figuring out how much do you need? Do you think people in general, and this, I mean, I kind of, I guess depends on the business, either um, don't get enough or they get too much because they have big dreams. It's a good question. I would say, I think the good news is that you probably don't need as much money as you might think you do to mm-hmm. start a business. Um, there's, there's one survey that's, um, that's cited by the Kaufman Center in 2008, that it took then about an average of $31,000 to start a business. Mm-hmm. And it's way less than that today. Um, mm-hmm. We we regularly pull our list of the Inc. 5000 CEOs. Those are the, the CEOs of the fastest growing private companies in America by mm-hmm. three-year revenue growth. And um, 42% of them in 2018 said that they needed less than $5,000 to start their first business. Oh, and wow. Like, that's, I mean, $5,000 is is still several thousand dollars, but it's it's not $31,000. No. It's not a year of college, you know. No, you can, it's like you can save that up on your own in a year and, you know, potentially start working on your business. Absolutely. And it, it totally depends on what kind of business you're starting, um, if you need office space, if you need to hire other employees, if you need physical inventory, uh, where you live and where you want to set up your business. Um, another thing, another, another really important question is, is your business going to be self-sustaining from the get-go and, mm-hmm. and do you need a salary from it? Because... Yeah. A lot of businesses do not turn a profit immediately, and um, a lot of CEOs do not start paying themselves immediately. So, you know, another thing to consider is if you're starting your business, you might not need that much money, but also can you work on it part-time until you grow to the point where it's making money and Mm -hmm. can afford to sustain you? Absolutely. And I've, you know, had a lot of conversations with uh, people that have started their own companies, a lot of them online companies, and that's kind of what they they say it's, it's never necessarily a good idea to just quit and then figure it out. It's, you know, if you can right. figure it out while working, that's probably your best bet. Cause then, I mean, that's what I did. And I feel like if you're someone who is pretty risk averse, like that is like a good way to see if it's, you know, if you can make money while, you know, not kind of giving up on your, your salary and not depending on, you know, your family or friends to help you pay your rent or something like that. And not forcing yourself to figure out how to get health insurance. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Well, that's I guess that's the other thing, too, that I always kind of forget being Canadian is like, there's, <laughs> yeah. you know, as a, a small business owner or, you know, starting your own business, there's so many little things I think people forget. They really get focused on, you know, this big idea that, oh, you know, this is going to be it. This is going to be my golden ticket. And, you know, I'm going I'm to, you know, be on, you know, 
uh, ink or whatever and uh, be featured. Um, and, and they may think a little bit about the funding. They may think a little bit about how much money they need, but they probably don't think about like the boring stuff like payroll and, you know, HR and health insurance. <laughs> and what kind of retirement fund do you want? And do you want yeah. to go through the difference between, uh, you know, a Roth IRA and a SEP IRA? And, mm-hmm. and, um, and you know, there's, there's a section in the book where, you know, I talk about the taxes and insurance and lawyers and all the other fun stuff. Like, do you, do you want to, or can you afford to buy business insurance? And if you Mm -hmm. can't, again, maybe, maybe you shouldn't be trying to, to support yourself full time Mm -hmm. um, on this business until, until you have that figured out. Absolutely. Um, I don't know if this has come up for you, but I know, uh, you know, in the past couple of weeks, there's been a couple of documentaries about that fire festival, oh, which God. really kind of, yeah. I know, uh, which kind of gives a, a, you know, a bad name to like the whole kind of Silicon Valley thing where I think for years, we always just looked at all these people were like, oh, wow, they've started these amazing startups online, Airbnb, and you know, we all use them, they're great. And then this guy is trying to basically mimic what these, uh, you know, people have done, but obviously he was a bit of a con man. <laughs> How I, I also wonder, just from the perspective of someone who maybe wants to invest in one of these startups, what? How can you protect yourself and your capital and make sure that you're investing in something legit that does have legs? That's not a fire festival. <laughs> <laughs> if it seems too, too good to be true, it probably is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I. I don't want to bash on technology because and social media because I while I do think it's become easier for certain type of con artists to to set up businesses in the in the age of Instagram and the Instagram influencer. I think that mm-hmm. those dangers have always existed. It's just mm-hmm. um, it's just easier to to fall under their sway now. Um, mm-hmm. But on the other hand, like uh, you mentioned this earlier, um, I do think that. The online age and the and the technology age has has made it a lot easier for people to start mm-hmm. legitimate businesses and for people to set up a website, start accepting payments, start marketing their their legitimate businesses on Instagram, and do that all like on their nights and weekends and keep their regular job until they until they grow the business. So mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure that I have any any magic bullet for. <laughs> how you figure out um, what's yeah. legit and what's a scam, except I guess mm-hmm. just trust your gut. I know. Well, I guess like the, the same could kind of be said from, you know, if you watch a lot of, you know, Shark's Tank or in Canada, Dragon's Den, you, it's, it's you, you kind of, I feel like, honestly, if you just binge watch a couple seasons of that, you get a good feel for what is legitimate and what's not, or what has the potential and what, what doesn't. <laughs> You're reminding me. So a couple of years ago, I did this story on um, legal cannabis. So mm-hmm. all of these, all of these businesses that are springing up in Colorado and California now mm-hmm. that the now that the laws around um, marijuana are changing mm-hmm. in states, mm-hmm. and I talked to so many legitimate businesses um, and, and wound up profiling one, a, a woman and her ex-husband who had started the uh, the f- the fastest growing, or I'm sorry, the mm-hmm the most the biggest legal edibles business in uh in Colorado so mm-hmm. they were selling gummies and um you know I went and I toured their factory and spent a lot of time talking about like boring regulatory stuff and all of the all of the packaging laws that they had to deal with mm-hmm. to make sure that they were being above board and creating this very legitimate business in what's still a um a gray market mm-hmm. 
But I also talked to some people who just pinged my radar and like had all of these big claims about like how miraculous legal marijuana was and how it had cured their cancer and stopped their brain aneurysms and healed their dogs. And you just, you know, even in an area, even in a totally new industry where there's not necessarily a lot of, um, there hasn't necessarily Mm -hmm. been enough time to figure out which are the true legitimate businesses and which aren't, you know, if you, if you just spend some time talking to people and paying attention to what the founders say, I I think it's, uh, it's, it becomes obvious pretty quickly who has a real business idea and who doesn't. Exactly. And if anyone's saying this is the, you know, magical miracle drug, you should just, there's no such thing as a miracle, you know, (laughs) like a miracle drug or a miracle product in my point of view. You must be running into some of some of this um, in Canada as well, seeing the same sort of growth of new businesses in Well, it's interesting marijuana. in Canada because um, obviously it's legalized now, but it's all centralized through the government. There's no, uh, and, and every province is different. So it's, it's kind of hard to follow. But even in Ontario, there's still a lot of private companies that are slowly getting shut down. And it's, yeah, I, I'm very curious to see what will happen in the next year or so. But surprisingly, I think the perspective, just like talking about cannabis for a bit, this perspective in the States was like, oh, wow, Canada's, the whole country is getting legalized. Literally nothing changed. <laughs> the exact same. <laughs> nothing changed. You wouldn't even be like, there's the day it became legalized and it, it was like any other day. <laughs> yeah, very boring. <laughs> yeah, sadly, but yeah. <laughs> I think you're That's like, you're destroying a little bit the myth of, of Canada. The- it's like, oh, it's so amazing here. It's like, yeah, it is amazing here. But on um, yeah, nothing's really changed since it's become legalized. I kind of <laughs> forgot about it. <laughs> Well, your health insurance system still wins, hands yeah, down. Yeah, that's I can't. Yeah, I can't knock that. It is pretty great. <laughs> um, so, talking a little bit more about just how people can be prepared if this is something that they want to pursue. I do have a lot of people listening that either have you know dreams to you know start a side hustle or turn a side hustle into a full time job. Um, it, which is interesting because honestly, when I started this podcast, it was mainly just going to be about personal finance, but. I have myself, you know, started kind of my own business as a company of one, but still it's it's something that I never thought I'd start. And so it's an interesting, pers- you know, just the whole idea of entrepreneurship is really fascinating to me because growing up, I didn't think that was, I didn't know that was an option. I just thought, you know, you go to school, you get a company job and you work at that company until you retire. And things have shifted so much because of the internet and social media is actually a really exciting um, time and and there's more opportunities for for anyone to start to, to realistically start their business and not just wait oh well you know I'm not rich enough or I'm not you know connected enough or I'll wait until retirement where I'm you know have a little bit more time in my hands anyone can kind of start something um, but I think that that a big issue is a lot of people want to start a company but they don't have a a traditional business background myself included I went to film school so <laughs> I ended up just like learn reading books like yours. What are some things like in terms of, I think, you know, creating that business plan? Lots of people have no idea what that means. Like, what does a business plan look like in just kind of small terms? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a really good question. And, uh, and to your point, I think it's um, I think it's easier to find answers thanks to the fact that I could now Google business plan and mm-hmm. and there 
I'd probably be inundated by mm-hmm. um, by how many results are out there. Inc has a pretty good um, has a pretty good extensive guide to how mm-hmm. to write one. You can also find models on um, SBA.gov, which is the U.S.'s Small Business uh, Administration's website, and a site called B Plans. Um, but big picture, a business mm-hmm. plan is just. It's a way to wrestle with the practicalities of your business and especially with the numbers. While there are, while there are other parts of it, it's, I, I think a lot of people will tell you, and I, I, I believe that probably the most important part of it is to, to sit down and figure out what will your cash flow be? How mm-hmm. regularly will you be getting paid? And when will you have to pay bills? Um, mm-hmm. Realistically, how long will it take you to to turn a profit and to break even? And, and how long can you afford to fund the business before then? Um, mm-hmm. And when you're first starting out, a lot of these numbers will be theoretical. You, you don't yeah. know how long it'll take you to get paid until you actually start selling something. But um, but. F- as a as a financial and intellectual exercise, I think I think it's extremely smart to sit down and at least ask yourselves those questions. And then long term, um, if your business does grow to a point where you're going to apply for a bank loan or you're going to ask friends and family for money, or you know if if you're even going to be part of the relatively small group of people who go to outside investors, all of those entities are going to want to see a business plan. Except maybe mm-hmm. your friends and family, but you should probably still have one. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, so you know, we I think we do. There, are, there are to your point, so many entrepreneurs who are not financial, who didn't go to business school, and and that's fine. That's mm-hmm. that's you know. There are so many success stories from people who did not come from business backgrounds, but um, but if you're not able to at least ask yourselves those questions, maybe maybe that's a sign that um, that this is not perhaps the right business for you, or that you need to spend some more time researching and thinking about it before you mm-hmm. before you put money into it, at least. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And one other thing too, I, I wonder is some people are really good on the business side of things. I've met a lot of entrepreneurs that they're they're great, and then they secretly tell me, "But my personal finances are a mess." <laughs> oh, so true. Is that yeah? Is that true? Is that kind of the sense that you get to? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I, I think I think there's a. Um, I think if you're entrepreneurial, you you have a certain willingness to take risks, mm-hmm. perhaps, and um, and that can be great in business and not so great in your personal life. Mm-hmm. Or there's also the question, and I I'm thinking right now of um, of the documents at home that I have yet to prepare to do my own taxes. It's so easy, especially when you're getting a big project off the ground. It is so easy to prioritize the thing that you're excited about and not spend time on the personal financial chores that are really tedious and time consuming. Totally. But, you know, as I know, it's like if you just focus on the business side of things and not yourself, it's, it's, it's the same thing. Like what's, uh, you know, you need to take care of yourself first because <laughs> it's right. like if you're not OK, you know, if you can't put like food on your table or, you know, creditors are coming after you in your personal life, your business will suffer, too. You need to take care of both things. 
Oh, absolutely. I um I wrote about this for for USA Today last week, but um I was at a conference, an Inc. conference, a couple of years ago, and moderating a session on um, how to get money for your business. It was a debt mm-hmm. financing section session, and mm-hmm. at the end of it, um, one of the attendees approached me. She had been quiet during the session, but she came up to me and she said, "You know, I have a lot of credit card debt um, from putting my son through school." Um, you know, I'm trying to pay it off. And I was wondering, should I, should I open up a new card or go into more debt to start a business so that I can pay my debt off faster? Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, no, no, please, please, please. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> please don't go into more debt to start a business because it's not going to be a, a quick way to get out of debt at no, all. You're just going to get into more debt. I think a lot of people think, uh, once they have an idea or this passion to start a business, there's a sense of urgency, but it's just self, you know, you just made that up. You made up that deadline. I'm always just like, if there's, can you wait six months? So you pay off that credit card or a year and pay off that credit card. And maybe you need that year to also become a little bit more prepared financially. But a lot of people are just excited about this idea and they just want to get it off the ground. It's boring to kind of take, to be responsible and just sort of start <laughs> making a debt repayment plan for your credit card. But I mean, you know, <laughs> kind of what you should do. <laughs> yeah, you'll be so much happier long term because no matter how great your business is, the yeah. or how great your business idea is, the odds of it, you know, taking off immediately are are not great. No, and I'm sure you know this from talking to so many entrepreneurs that it's none of their businesses just like were a hit right away. They, you know, felt, you know, they tried a lot of things until eventually something. And for me as someone who's getting older, that is really nice to see that all these people like, "Oh, no, I didn't make it big until my 30s, 40s, 50s. I'm like, oh, good. Because you always hear about these freaking stories about these young Silicon Valley kids who are 22 and they're just like on yachts. And you're like, how is this possible? <laughs> right, right. I mean, and it's it's so it's so the, the myth rather than the reality for yeah. so many founders. Um, you know, again, most of, most of the people who are on our Inc. 5000 CEO list, um, almost half of them held a job in the same field where they started their business mm-hmm. before they started their business. They're, you know, some of them are in their twenties or younger, but a lot of them are in their thirties and forties, if not older. Like mm-hmm. I think experience kind of gets experience, which comes with age, mm-hmm. kind of gets um, ignored a lot in in the stories about Silicon Valley yeah. founders and, you know, the Airbnb guys, not to pick on them, but all of right. these, uh, the Mark Zuckerbergs and like all of the tech bros who, who yeah. started their business in college and it just took off. But that is not the reality for 99% yeah. like, of the... Like the exception, not the rule, you know. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, good. <laughs> just like feel better when I read stories like that. I'm like, okay, good. Because I think we always look to like, yeah, the the people that start Airbnb and Mark Zuckerberg to be like, well, I'm a failure because I didn't have a genius idea. Uh, and, you know, it skyrocket to where it is today. But I think that's, that shouldn't be the 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 goal is to to start something really fast. It's like you should you want something sustainable, don't you? And something that has legs that will be around for a long time. So take your time. Absolutely. One of one of the fav- my favorite stories that I've done for Inc. was a profile of a woman named Therese Tucker. She's, um, I think she's in her early 50s now, but she, she is, was a software engineer by training. She worked at software companies um, for decades. And in the early 2000s, she decided to go into business for herself. She mm-hmm. cashed out her 401k. Not again, not something I recommend. 
but she had savings. She had options from from a job at a at a company that had gone public, and she had and she decided to take a gamble with her retirement savings. She mm-hmm. started a very boring sounding accounting software company, and um, and eventually in 2016 she took it public. Oh, wow. um, it's called Blackline. It was one of the only tech companies run by a female founder and CEO. Um, it's got a market cap of something like two and a half billion, the last two and a half billion US last time I checked. Um, Therese is amazing. She's got pink hair and she's Mm -hmm. extremely blunt and refreshing and direct and she knows what she's doing and she's brilliant. And like, and she got there after decades of working for other people and of becoming an expert in her own field and eventually seeing a need in the market that she was an expert in. Mm-hmm. And that kind of gave her the ability to overcome all of the stereotypes about older women starting tech companies. I mean, how many other older women who are tech founders of public companies do you know? Not many. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> wow. Well, that I think that is such a inspiring um, story. And I'm sure there's a ton more in your book with a great amount of advice for people that are just starting out and want to know, you know, the really important stuff, not just the exciting inspirational stuff. Let's get some inspiration, but also let's get some hard, hard information that will help us uh, run our companies more successfully. So that is the goal. So thank you. You're welcome. It was a pleasure having you on the show. Where can uh, more people find more information about you and grab a copy of uh, Startup Money Made Easy? Oh, thank you so much. It's been so much fun. Um, The book is, you can find Startup Money Made Easy on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or IndieBound. And in fact, if you go to startupmoneymadeeasy.com, there's a list of the different retailers where you can find it. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thanks again for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. And that was episode 193 with Maria Aspen. Make sure to uh, check out her new book, grab a copy, uh, Startup Money Made Easy, Thinking Guide to Every Financial Question About Starting, Running, and Growing Your Business is what it's called. It is out now. Um, and make sure to check out the show notes, jessicamorehouse.com slash 193. I will be putting uh, you know some important links and just uh, you know info about what we talked about in this episode. Uh, got a couple important things to share with you. So as always, Stick around for a hot sec and I'll share all that good stuff with you. But but first, uh, here's just a few words about this episode's sponsor. This episode of the Mo Money Podcast is sponsored by the Scotia Momentum Visa Infinite Card. Looking for your award-winning cashback card? The Scotia Momentum Visa Infinite Card might be just what you're looking for. For a limited time, you'll earn 10% cashback on everyday purchases in the first three months up to $2,000 in total purchases. Plus, the annual fee will be waived for the first year. That's a value of up to $299. This offer expires April 30th. But wait, there is more, with great benefits like access to hotel room upgrades, best available rates, VIP guest status, and late checkout at over 900 luxury hotels around the world. Or gain access to the exclusive Visa Infinite Dining Series, which includes dining events with once-in-a-lifetime chef collaborations at the country's most highly anticipated new restaurants. 
You can even call up the Visa Infinite complimentary concierge to help make your life easier by taking care of almost any request, like dining reservations or building vacation itineraries. To learn more about the Scotia Momentum Visa Infinite card and see if it's right for you, visit jessicamorehouse.com slash scotia or visit the show notes for this episode. Once again, that's jessicamorehouse.com slash scotia or check out the show notes for this episode. Okay, let's start with the uh, important stuff. I'm giving away free copies of books. So many books. Um, if you've been, you know, listening to this season, you already know this. But if you go to jessicamorehouse.com slash contest or check out the show notes for this episode or every episode, there will be details on how you can enter to win a copy of any of the books that I have featured on the show, including this episode, Maria Aspen's book, Startup Money Made Easy. I'm giving away a copy. So make sure to check those out. Show notes, jessicamorehouse.com slash 193 or jessicamorehouse.com slash contests is where you can find details on how to enter for uh, winning a book. And I'll probably honestly wait till the end of the season to draw winners just because it's easier for me, quite honestly. Um, Other exciting things and also book related. uh, My pal, Aaron Lowry, who's been on the show, will be on the show again very soon this season. So, uh, you know, subscribe. Um, She... uh, you know, a couple years back, she launched her first book called Broke Millennial. She is out with her second book called Broke Millennial Takes on Investing just came out last week. And she's doing a huge book tour. And she's teaming up with me in Toronto, Canada to do a one of a kind event called Level Up Your Money. Uh, It is happening May 7th, Tuesday, May 7th in downtown Toronto. We're still selling tickets, not too many left. I think there's about 30 left. Um, And it's going to be amazing. I mean, it's the probably the biggest event that I've ever organized. So if you've ever been to any of my events, this is going to be uh, one for the books. Tickets still available. I will have more info in the show notes. But uh, I think if you just go jessicamorales.com slash level up or even check my Twitter account, I'm always posting about how many tickets are left. That's where you can find more details. But I hope to see you. It's going to be so much fun. You can meet us. There's going to be a panel discussion all about investing, including uh, Aaron, myself, Barry Choi, money expert Barry Choi, who's also been on the show. And uh, then we're also going to have an expert from TD Direct Investing, who is the sponsor. Thank you so much, TD Direct Investing. Um, And not only that, there's drinks, there's going to be food, you're going to get a a goodie bag, including a copy of Aaron's new book, there's gonna be a fun photo booth. And also you get to hang out with me and Aaron, and it'll be super fun. So hope to see you there. And uh, last but not least, I got a a couple really lovely uh, iTunes reviews that I want to just give a little shout out to uh, right now. All right, the first shout out is to uh, FF2127 from Canada. I listen to a lot of finance investing podcasts, my coworkers often ask me about what I'm listening to, and they have a lot of money questions. I send them some episodes of this podcast and tell them to have a listen and go through the past podcasts. Thanks for the great work. Thank you for the lovely iTunes review. Uh, this next one is from Meg's Cascade. Or Cascade. Uh, there's two Ds. There's no E. Whatever. Uh, from Canada. Uh, I've been listening to the Mo Money podcast for about a year and a half now. In that time, I've gone from nearly financially illiterate to confident. Jessica is a true finance guru. Thanks for being a great example, educator, and leader for all of us, especially us millennial women. You are so welcome. Thank you for listening. And one, I'm going to give a shout out to this Adam YVR. I know where you live, Adam, Vancouver. I mean, I don't know. Actually, Adam, I don't know who this guy is. Um, Give me a three star. Fine. I'll give you, you know, whatever. Everyone has their opinion. Uh, Presenter has come on leaps and bounds. She manages to still snake some fantastic guests. Uh, 
Thanks. That was like a little backdoor compliment. I don't know, a little shady. Uh, find uh, her presenting style a bit too casual at times, but the continuous use of I know, right? All in all, a decent podcast with great info and great guests. Well, I'm going to take those compliments, but I, uh, I'm going to, you know, you know, yeah, like I'm a bit, I'm a cat. It's called the Mo Money Podcast. Like I'm not like doing hard hitting, you know, really bland, boring news. I don't know. And I say, I know right all the time in my life. What can I do, Adam, to change your mind? What can I do? <sighs> I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to, I'm going to keep on living my life. Thank you, Adam, for sharing your thoughts and a little, you know, that shade, it, it is, it, you're a bit shady, but you know, I'll, I'll take what I can get. So thanks for listening anyway, I suppose. Maybe I can change your mind, right? Okay. I know, right? Right? I can't help it. I can't help it, Adam. This is just how I talk. Okay. Anyways, thank you all for listening. If you want to get a shout out on a future episode, please leave me a review um, and I'll give you, you know, shout out on a future episode. Uh, I also really hope that I see you at my event. If you live in Toronto, if you don't, I'm sorry, but I will be recording the panel discussion video and audio. So it will be, um, you know, I'll be uploading it to YouTube and on the podcast if you don't live in town, but I want to hear what we talk about. Uh, Thanks again for listening, y'all. And I will be back here next Wednesday with a fresh new episode. As always, see you next week. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.